Hello again, fight fans, and welcome to episode 304 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, RingTV.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel where you are watching me live now. As always, guys, remind you to make sure that you are subscribed. Click that little notification bell. And uh, Super Chats are great on the show, but just a reminder that that income goes to uh, to Ring. If you guys want to contribute directly to the neutral corner to me, best way to do it is to check out my site, MonteroOnBoxing.com. And there you can tip the show. You can contribute whatever you want, a dollar or more, whatever. It doesn't matter, okay? And then we sell uh, Montero Unboxing t-shirts there too. You guys can check those out. We have them in, I think, six different colors, different sizes, all that good stuff. And uh, for those of you who have checked out the MOBTs and supported on the site, we ge we genuinely appreciate it. If you guys can't catch the live video every Monday, you can uh, check out the live or the, I'm sorry, the audio podcast that goes out uh, every Tuesday on podcast platforms around the world. Okay. So just look for that. All you got to do is search for Montero Unboxing, The Neutral Corner, wherever you listen to podcasts, and you will find me. All right. Let's get into this, man. TNC 304 for the week of March 12th. It's not a crazy busy week in terms of action this weekend. We do have a fight to preview, but we have a lot to discuss um, that took place last weekend. So, uh, yeah, let's get right into some news and notes. Uh, we got a, a, just a mixture of news here, guys. Uh, let's start off with some some bad news, unfortunately, for several different fighters. Uh, Guillermo Rigando uh, suffered an eye injury. He was actually cooking in his kitchen, I guess, with an old-school pressure cooker. And no shit, not making this up. It blew up. It blew up in his face. And I guess it injured both of his eyes, but one of his eyes, it greatly affected his vision. 80% of his vision is currently gone in one of his eyes. The good news is that the doctors are saying it, uh, the, the tissue, I guess the tissue around the cornea, the, the lens of the eye, uh, is repairing and over the next couple of weeks, they're going to monitor this, but there's a chance he can make a full recovery and 100% of his vision can come back. So obviously, we hope that's what happens. Uh, just a freak thing, man. The, the craziest shit can happen in the world, huh? Just of all the things, I mean, this guy's taking punches in the face for a living for pretty much his entire, his, well, at least his entire adult life, but most of his life in general. And his eyes are fine. But just cook it in the kitchen, and boom, there goes the pressure cooker. Uh, you can't write this stuff, man. Just a crazy freak injury. And um, we we obviously, we, we all are pulling for Rigo and hope that uh, his eyes and everything else heals up 100%. Uh, really, really sad news out of Indonesia, out of Jakarta, Indonesia. There was a fight on February 27, which I, I think was Sunday. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Couple Sundays back, a fighter there, Hero Tito. That was his fighter name. His real name was Hero Perwanto. 35 years old, uh, was married and had two daughters, one 13 and one five. He suffered injuries in a fight there, February 27th in Jakarta, Indonesia, and uh, went into a coma. And unfortunately, a few days later, he he passed away. So, guys, uh, we hear about these stories every year in this sport. They very, very rarely make the mainstream headlines, you know, unless it's a high-profile fighter or a fighter from the Western world, particularly America or the UK. But in parts of the world, I mean, all over, uh, this sort of thing happens all the time. 
all the time. People think that this doesn't happen in boxing anymore. That is incorrect. It still takes place. So this is a dangerous sport, ladies and gentlemen. You know, and it's a, it's a wonderful sport, and it's done much more to, to save more lives than it has hurt lives. But uh, cases like this obviously are very, very sad. So our thoughts are out uh, to his family. Um, just a terrible man, a wife and, and two young daughters at home left behind here. And then more sad news out of Puerto Rico, former three division title holder and uh, international boxing hall of famer. Wilfredo Gomez was found living in, in inhumane conditions in his home in Puerto Rico. Don't have all the details, but apparently uh, authorities removed him from his home on um, concerns that were expressed by family members. They had called authorities and asked them to investigate what was going on because they hadn't been able to contact him for over a year. I guess his wife, his son, like they couldn't get a hold of him. So I don't know who, who the caretaker was, but apparently he had some disability, some issues, and, and the people taking care of him were, and again, this is all alleged, okay? I, I don't know. Um, the investigation's ongoing, but apparently he was being abused. He was not being taken care of. He was living in inhumane conditions. He was cut off from his family as far as communication goes. So he was transferred to a mental institution, as I understand it. My translation might be bad, but that's, uh, as I understand it, that's what happened. So obviously, I mean, that's a terrible, terrible story. And um, again, this is another thing that goes on a lot around the world is elder abuse. I mean, this sort of thing goes on all around the world, not just in the in boxing, of course. But we hope that everything turns out okay and the, and the Gomez family can reunite and uh, get Wilfredo, the former champ, some uh, some care and get him back to the best possible state of health that he can be in at this point in his life. If I hear anything about this story, guys, any updates, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. And if we can get a hold of anybody in the Puerto Rican press, we've had members of the Puerto Rican press on the show here before I'll get them on. All right. So, so that we can talk about this, obviously uh, just another sad story, man. We had a few of them last week from around the world. Just one of those weeks, man, where it rains, it pours. Uh, good news, though, out of the UK, uh, the fight between Tyson Fury and Dillian White apparently sold, I want to say it was over 80,000, it might have been 85,000 tickets in just a few hours. And of course, we recognize that most of those sales are being bought by ticket brokers, and they're going to you know, gouge these prices and sell them on the secondary market. We get it. It's not just regular people buying these tickets. In fact, I dare to say most of them went to brokers and and companies like that. But still, if brokers are investing at that rate, that tells you what a hot commodity this fight is over there. And I tweeted about this last week, and um, some people got butt hurt. But you know, I just tweeted the quote uh, when I saw this news. I retweeted it, quote tweeted it, and said, uh, "Tyson Fury can't sell without Deontay Wilder." And of course, the Deontay Wilder protectors and the Tyson Fury haters shit down my throat and said, well, he can't in America. I don't know, man. If, if Tyson Fury fought Andy Ruiz here in America, I think that'd sell. Tyson Fury versus Andy Ruiz in Las Vegas, if marketed the right way, if Ruiz actually got his ass into the ring and got a W against a top 10 opponent and they did that fight, I think it'd sell. But yeah, of course, Fury, look, no heavyweights are really going to sell huge, huge numbers by themselves. The only one who does that is Anthony Joshua in the UK. And don't tell me Deontay Wilder does it here in America because he doesn't. His highest selling fights were against 
Tyson Fury, right? Um, so I, I think these guys all need each other. But when you get two of the top 10 heavyweights in the world, which this fight is, it's going to sell. And both of these guys are from the UK, so that's going to do huge numbers. Apparently, the promotion is going to talk to authorities involved and see if they can open this thing up to be 100,000 tickets. And this might break the record that Joshua's fight with Klitschko did a few years back. I can't remember. I want to say it was 2017 that fight took place. So that was like five years ago. So uh, Fury versus White has a pos- the possibility of breaking that record. That would be pretty amazing, man. So that's good news, right? So it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all bad. But um, hit the like button, guys. <laughs> uh, Toreen says, hit the like, you bastards. <laughs> hit the like button, guys. Uh, Papa Chubby says, hit the like button. Justin says, Rigo can't catch a break. Yeah, tell me about it. That's sad news, man. Nacho says, Rigondio, man, what a horrible way to get hurt. Yeah. Imagine, just imagine you're in the kitchen cooking and boom, I mean, that explosion, the heat, the steam, that had to hurt like hell, man. Um, So, yeah, I just hope he's okay. Cole Matsuda says, GOAT trainer Virgil Hill will help AJ outbox Usyk. Okay, we'll see about that one. I think you're being sarcastic. Uh, Sal says, easy work for Chaco. Yeah, we'll get into that for sure. And Gail says, Montero missed having you in San Diego this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I, I uh, missed uh, being there. It, it, I felt, it felt, um, it just didn't feel right not being ringside. I've been ringside for so many of Chocolate Tito's fights. But uh, I had family in town this weekend, and we enjoyed the family time. Uh, my little nephews, Luca and Enzo, were here. My father was here, my sister, my brother-in-law. So we hung out, hung out with some friends and just uh, did the family thing, which was nice. And it was it was necessary with all the craziness going on in the world. uh, My family wanted to get together and and just kind of have some positive time with each other. And it it did the body good. I got to say, man, Twal in the chat says Fury versus White, 600 pounds of men. Let's hope not. Let's hope it's closer to 500. Please, please. I hope that, you know, I was listening to the boxing rant today with um Vince Cummings and, and Kenny Keith, uh, and, and they were um, talking about that fight. And I can't remember the exact quote, but uh, Kenny said uh, something to the effect of Fury versus White is going to be two orcas trying to high-five each other. That's what he said that the fight's going to look like. I hope he's wrong, but shit, he might be right. I really, really hope that uh, I hope that it doesn't work out that way. Sam A. asks, uh, explain the Super Chat again because it's the only way I can get a question in. Um, well, so look, guys, this is Ring Magazine's YouTube channel, okay? So when you guys do Super Chats, that revenue is going to Ring. When you guys do Super Chats on my channel, when I do my show on Fridays, that's going directly to me because that's my channel. So if you want to support Ring, just, cool, do a Super Chat, support Ring. I'm just letting you guys know that revenue doesn't go to me. That goes to Ring because this is their YouTube channel. So um, there are, are times where, and I'm I'm negotiating, we'll see what happens in the future, but uh, where maybe, you know, that revenue will get whacked up more and everything else. But for right now, that's that's pretty much the way it works. So the the deal we have is, you know, I get a certain rate for doing the show and doing the recap and everything else, but the super chats, that's ring. So um, so if you want to contribute and you know directly to the show itself, uh, the best way to do that is MonteroUnboxing.com. All right, just want to put that out there. <clears throat> All right, let's get into this review, man. I see a couple of you already on the phones. If you're on the phones, uh, just realize. Um, 
I'm not going to get to you for a while. You're going to be waiting for a while. So you might want to hang up and call back because I got to get through this review preview. But if you want to sit on the phones, then that's cool. Just sit tight. All right. Fight review time. And we start last Friday, March 4th. And uh, well, both both events last week, both of the big fights were in California. But on Friday, March 4th, it was Northern California up in Fresno. And this was top rank at the Save Mart Arena. ESPN Plus did the broadcast. In the main event, Jose Carlos Ramirez gets back in the win column, uh, makes his comeback from that loss to Josh Taylor last year. Unanimous decision win over Jose Adraza. This was a 12-rounder, of course, uh, 140 pounds, of course. It was the Battle of the Jose's, and it was a Mexican-American Jose versus a Puerto Rican Jose. Scores were 116, 112, three times, and those were good scores. This was an eight rounds to four, kind of a fight. I thought those were solid scores all around. Pretty easy fight to score, honestly. And so Jose Ramirez, I don't know where to rate him. Uh, We were discussing this in the ring ratings committee this weekend. We had some heated debates. I'll get to to some of that in a minute. But where do you rate Ramirez? For me, um, you know, you, you could say, of course, Taylor's the champ. But now with Catterall, what he just did, He's in the mix, the top two or three guys, right? Uh, Pro Gray gave Taylor a tougher fight in Taylor's backyard than Ramirez did here in America. So I think Pro Gray should be ahead of Ramirez. Where do you rate Catterall in all of that? So Taylor's the champ, but then after that, what's the rating? You know, I would say number one is Regis Pro Gray. And then perhaps it's Ramirez after that, then Catterall. Maybe it's Catterall number two, then Ramirez. But those seem to be the top guys, right? I think that much is clear. Uh, I don't know with Ramirez, though. You know, we can't judge too much on this fight. This was his first fight back from that first loss, which was a decisive loss where he got dropped a couple times, kind of embarrassed against a guy that a lot of people in Ramirez's circle felt that he should have beat, you know, that they really thought they were going to beat. But, um, you know, this was his first fight back, good performance, wasn't amazing. It wasn't a great performance, you know, and maybe he was just overshadowed because we had such a great fighter fighting the following night. So uh, Ramirez is still a guy I'm keeping an eye on. It seems to me that he makes 140 pretty well, and he's going to be in that division for a while. So who knows? Um, it'd be interesting to see him fight some of the guys at 135 that are going to move up. And I still want to see Ramirez in pro gray. I think that'd be a hell of a fight. Ramirez Catterall, that's interesting. Any of those fights work. That's a loaded division. These guys just got to fight more, man. They really haven't been very active, especially Progray. He's disappointed me. And Taylor hasn't been very active either. But Progray, especially after the loss to Taylor, just seems to have kind of plateaued a little bit in his career. I want to see him get active again because I really like Regis Progray. Also on this card, uh, Gabriel Flores Jr., friend of the show. He's been on the show before. 130-pound prospect, got a majority decision win, close, or cl- a majority, yeah, majority decision win. It was a close fight. I think he edged it, but it was it was close. And Joette Gonzalez, a 126 prospect, he got a KO win. Both these guys rebounding from losses last fall. So both of them, this was a card of fighters getting back in the win column after losses last year. That's what this card was. And several guys from California were fighting in their home state, including 2020 U.S. Olympian, silver medalist, U.S. Olympian for the um, for the American team, Rick Richard Torres. He won his pro debut by knockout, and he's from that area too. Uh, kind of in between, 
I want to say Fresno and Bakersfield. He's from a small town that's right in the middle between Bakersfield and Fresno. So that um, northern, I don't even, I guess it's not northern California. The Central Valley is what they call it. From that area, so he brought a lot of hometown fans up there to see his pro debut, and he did not let them down. All right, so let's move on to Saturday, March fifth, matchroom boxing at the Pachanga Arena in San Diego, California, and this was broadcast on the Zone, of course. Uh, not there were some interesting fights on the undercard, but the undercard, the guy that stole the show, is Mauricio Lara, scoring a KO three win over Emilio Sanchez in a featherweight fight. This is an early knockout of the year candidate. If you guys haven't seen it yet, go back and watch that one. Just, just for the knockout. It was only three rounds. There was some good two-way action. Really, really exciting, explosive fight. And uh, Laura brings the heat, man. It was a great knockout for him. Early contender for knockout of the year in 2022. But this one was all about the main event. Let's be honest. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, 34 years old, going on 35 years old. Scores a unanimous decision win over, over late replacement Julio Cesar Martinez, who is a title holder at 112, moving up to 115, but missed weight. Didn't even really try to make the weight, uh, but everything was worked out. It was all good. To me, it really, really looks suspicious that Martinez and his team were trying to game the system a little bit and have an unfair advantage, and that lets you know that they knew what they were going up against. Props to them for taking this assignment. For stepping up when uh, Estrada claimed he had COVID, who knows? But Estrada didn't seem ready or willing to want to take this fight just right now at this moment in time. And so the fight blew up. It was supposed to be the third fight between Chocolatito and, and Estrada. And Estrada pulls out. Okay, maybe he legitimately did have COVID and it really truly did affect him. I don't know. He's the only person who can answer those questions. But Martinez stepped in. And kind of save this show. So he does deserve credit. But I thought the 27-year-old kid, I don't know. It seemed to me that they were trying to game the system with the way they, the, the shenanigans at the weigh-in. All right. Um, anyway, this fight, what a performance from Gonzalez. The scores were 116-112, 117-110, and 118-110. It really, a couple of those scores were too close. I scored this fight 118-110. I, you could even go 119-109, but I gave two rounds to Martinez. I can't remember which rounds, but I scored just 10 rounds to two for Chocolatito. He absolutely dominated this fight against a younger opponent who came in overweight, trying to have an advantage. Didn't matter. The extra strength, the extra stamina that Martinez had did not matter. So for Chocolatito, you know, he had those back-to-back -back losses against Rungvisai in 2017. And I was ringside for both of those. One was in New York, the first one. Second one was in LA. The first one in New York, even though Chocolatito got dropped, I still thought he won that fight. I really, really do. I was there. And I remember during the fight thinking, oh, Chocolatito's got this. In the championship rounds, I thought, ah, he's pulled this out. This was a scare, but he pulled it out. The judges didn't give it to him. But in the rematch later that year in LA, Rangvisai left it out of the hands of the judges, right? So Chocolatito was blowing up in, in weight in between fights, wasn't doing the weight cut properly, wasn't 365, you know, 365 gym kind of guy, has since rededicated himself and found a renewed focus and discipline uh, that in between fights, he always had it in camp, of course, and everything, but in between fight camps, 
Chocolatito's living a little healthier, a little better, and it's serving him well. And that's the thing about losses. You know, so many fans uh, worry about them so much and and overrate them and, and, you know, just weigh them, overweigh them. Just They're not that big of a deal sometimes, guys. And in the case of Chocolatito, I think those losses almost like renewed his hunger. He seems to be just more hungry right now. And he seems to be um, rejuvenated to a certain extent. And obviously, <clears throat> there's a little speed taken off the fastball. His hands and feet don't move quite as fast as they used to. He doesn't have the exact same power that he once had. I mean, he did start at 105. So, you know, yes, he, he's on the downside of his prime. That, that's very obvious. But he's such a special fighter that he can absolutely thoroughly outbox and completely dominate a guy like Julio Cesar Martinez, who's not, I wouldn't call him an elite level fighter. I wouldn't call him, he's certainly not a pound for pound kind of guy, but he's one of the top fighters at 112. Moving up to 115 is a last minute replacement. I don't want to get too excited about this performance, but when you look at what Chocolatito has done since 2017, those two losses to Rung Visai that I mentioned, he is five and one. And you could make a real argument, a real, real logical argument that he's 6-0 and because I was ringside for his second fight with Estrada last year in Dallas. I thought he won that fight too. Uh, great fight, could make a case for either man. I just thought Chocolatito won. And, you know, Chocolatito is one of those guys that a lot of diehard boxing nerds like myself have fallen in love with. And when you fall in love with a fighter like this, um, you have to really, really check yourself and make sure that you're scoring these fights accurately and, and you're being careful not to give an unfair advantage. I've watched these fights several times. I still feel that he beat Rungvisai in New York. I feel he beat Estrada in Dallas. Even if you thought that he lost those two fights, even if so, I'm just saying after the Rungvisai losses, even if you thought he lost to Estrada, He's 5-1 and one since then. And look at some of the names. Estrada is one of the top 10 pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world. I'm not just saying that just to bolster Chocolatito's resume. Go back and look at videos I did in the past. I've rated Estrada as one of the top fighters in the world for years. Okay? You guys that have listened to the show for years, you know that. I've always respected Estrada. For Chocolatito to be at a close fight that could have won either way that I personally and a lot of others feel that he won at this stage of his career several years after that did really really devastating knockout to rugby in LA and that is special and you know you look at the guy he's 34 turning 35 and a lot of maybe younger fight fans uh more um fight fans who aren't as educated maybe just you know new to the sport they look at heavyweights at that, at that age, and like, oh, these guys are still in their prime. Well, you have to understand, smaller fighters age faster. The, the wear and tear in your body is very, very different. And by the time most of these little guys are in their mid-30s, they are done. Stick a fork in them, they're done. Especially little fighters that have moved up in weight and challenged themselves and fought some of the top fighters in a division, which Chocolatito at 115, he's fought the, the top guys, you know, uh, fights with Quadras, Estrada, 
Ron Visay, you know, those three and Chocolatito really were like the four kings of this era in those lower weight classes. And Chocolatito fought all of them. He fought several of them more than once, right? So he has really challenged himself as he's moved up in weight in his 30s, which means you are a senior fighter. If you're at, I'd say, 118 and below, you're like a senior citizen at that age as far as your fighter years go. So for him to be doing what he's doing right now is really, really special. And I love this little resurgence that his career is having. I'd love to see him get that third Estrada fight this year. I really, really hope that Estrada and his team are willing to go there and they can make that possible for this summer. I don't want it to be in November or December. I want to see it this summer because I think that fight, while it's good enough to be on its own, I really feel it could be, if they could get that in as a co-feature on one of these pay-per-view cards we're going to get over the summer, that would be amazing. If somehow, some way, look, if Canelo and Golovkin win their next fight coming up, I would wait till September to see the third Chocolatito Estrada fight if they can put it on the as the co-feature of the third Canelo Golovkin fight. Imagine that, guys. Imagine getting two rubber matches, Canelo and Golovkin rubber match, and then the Chocolatito Estrada rubber match on the same damn card. That's probably going to go to Las Vegas, let's be honest. In Las Vegas, what a fucking ticket that would be. That would be worth the pay-per-view price. That would be the best matchup as far as the best bang for your buck as far as the main event and co-main that we've had in a pay-per-view in years. And correct me if I'm wrong on that. I just think that'd be awesome. But either way, if we get Chocolatito and Estrada 3 at some point this year, preferably this summer, maybe early fall, that would be great, man. And if Chocolatito can pull that off again, whew. That, that's something else. I got to say this too. Just in terms of style, I don't know if I've seen a more perfect offensive fighting machine than Roman Gonzalez in a pound for pound sense. I can watch this guy fight, and many of his fights go 12 rounds when he fights the elite, because that's what happens when you fight top fighters or much younger, stronger fighters in this case, hungrier fighters. Uh, that are still coming up in your career. And I can watch 12 rounds and I'm thoroughly entertained. I don't need to see six knockdowns. I don't need to be, see the slop fest that we saw between Fury and Wilder, which was very dramatic. Okay. I, I recognize it was dramatic. But for me, what we saw from Chocolatito here against Martinez was prettier for me. It was more aesthetically pleasing for me to watch. The balance is amazing. And Chocolatito doesn't do the shoulder roll, the lean back, the, the running away. He doesn't, he stays right in the pocket with you. And he makes very subtle movements. They're so subtle, you almost don't notice them. You have to go back and watch him again and again. He does little things with his, with his hands, with his arms, his body positioning. His balance is always on point. And his uh, counter punching is just completely instinctual. He doesn't think about it, even for a nanosecond. It just happens. Can throw every single punch in the book. And most of the punches um, are, I'm not going to say slaps, but they're just touches to move you where he wants you to position. Sometimes it's to position himself. 
while he's stepping back or to the side, he'll touch you a couple of times to get the angle he wants. Then he'll put some heat on a shot. He's so good at that. And he can stand there in the pocket and he keeps his hands up. You know, a lot of guys ain't keeping their hands up is here. For you guys listening on the audio pod, I've got my hands up on my chin. Chocolatito's hands are up like on his temples, like high up on the temples, where his gloves, the top, his fingers are almost above his, his hairline, way up on the – and he can lean down, hold, catch shots, keeps his eyes open, sees what you're doing, and then loops around or underneath. Uh, he just does so many great things right there in the pocket in front of you. And it's just been such a joy to watch this dude. And I know I'm fanboying out here big time, but guys, when is the last time you saw a pretty one-sided fight like this? That was really, really entertaining to watch for 12 rounds. And credit to Martinez because he kept coming. He took a lot of punches. He never quit. A lot of other fighters in his position would have. He kept coming forward. So he did make the fight to a certain extent. But just the the firepower from, from Roman Gonzalez is just so pretty to watch. He might be the, the prettiest fighter to watch th- that I've ever seen. Um, I, we could talk about guys like Jorge Linares. You know, offensively, he was just amazing to watch. It was actually, in a, lo- a lot of ways, it was more fun to watch Linares train, to be able to see him train up close at the gym than fight. Um, but he was so incomplete. You know, he wasn't a complete package. Roman Gonzalez is a complete package. He really, really is. And for somebody that that say, well, he doesn't have one-punch knockout power, again, the dude started at 105. And you you think, well, that's only 10 pounds. Yeah, it's only 10 pounds. If you're a 200-pound guy and you gain 10 pounds, that's not a lot. But if you're a 100-pound man and you gain 10 pounds, that's like 10% of your body weight almost. That's a significant amount of weight. And, you know, he's moved up four divisions. And I really think that he could move up to 118, which he mentioned, by the way, and compete and maybe win a title there. That would be pretty amazing. But I, I want to see him stay at 15 and fight some of these uh, fight third fights with Estrada, uh, maybe even Rungvisai again. By the way, Rungvisai has been really disappointing since those wins over Chocolatito. And he had a win over Estrada. He just fell flat. But I should mention, Gonzalez landed two times the amount of punches more than two times the amount of punches that Martinez landed, according to CompuBox, 51% of his power punches. And Martinez is not an offensive genius. Again, I don't want to oversell this performance because it's not as if Chocolatito did this against an Estrada or a Quadras or uh, a Rungvisai. You're not going to do that against that level of fighter. You're just not going to, okay? But against this type of fighter at this stage of his career and last second replacement, dude, pretty impressive stuff, man. He threw over a thousand punches guys. That takes an insane amount of stamina and just a comfort in the ring. That's another thing about Chocolatito. He's so comfortable in the ring. So relaxed. One last note I have to make about him There are people out there that say boxing is not a martial art. I completely disagree with them. Boxing is one of the classic martial arts. But Chocolatito is a prime example of how it is a martial art. When I watch him, when I watch Roman Gonzalez, I am watching a master craftsman. I am watching a master of his craft. I am watching a true martial artist. 
the term martial arts gets thrown around a lot, right? And a lot of people dabble in, in this or that discipline. They call themselves a martial artist. So you might know a little something. But when I think of a guru, when I think of a martial arts guru, I think of somebody who is an absolute master of their discipline. And that is Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. How can you not watch this man fight and say to yourself, holy shit, that is a master of his craft. That is a master martial artist. That is what he is. Come at me if you disagree. Come at me. <clears throat> All right. Preview time. Let's do it. Preview time. This Saturday, March 12th at the Nottingham Arena in Nottingham, England, Matchroom is back on the zone. This is like a little pregame. Is this matchroom? Wait a second. I might have just lied to you. Is this top rank? No, this can't be top rank. This has to be matchroom. Hold on. I got to check this because I don't want to lie to you guys. <clears throat> it's definitely not a top rank, although, of course, Kamala is a top rank fight. It is matchroom. I was correct. See, second guessing myself, I didn't even need to. All right, uh, this is kind of a pregame party for the St. Patrick's Day holiday coming up uh, next week, March, uh, I think it's next Thursday, March 17th. Lay Wood, 25-2, going up against Michael Conlon, 16-0 for Woods. Wood has one of the WBA belts. Who really gives a shit? That's a phony belt. Although I do have to give Wood credit. He didn't get handed that belt through an email or something. He actually scored an upset TKO 12 win over Khan Shu last July to get that belt. So I, I do rate this belt as being somewhat legitimate, even though it's WBA trash. You know, actually, because I'm, I'm just thinking, guys, 126. Who is the super champion at 126? It's Leo Santa Cruz, isn't it? I'm going to pull up the WBA ratings. Let's have some fun with the WBA. We haven't done this in a while. <laughs> Oh, shit. WBA ratings. What the hell? What did I do? Hang on. Bear with me real quick, guys. I'm I'm pulling it up here. But let's have some fun with these fools because they're, they're just they're insane. Because th this might be a situation where the quote-unquote regular title holder is the best one. Let's go down to featherweight. And let's see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So currently at featherweight, the WBA super champion is Leo Santa Cruz, and that's absolute dog shit because Santa Cruz hasn't done shit in the uh, featherweight division in years. He recently got KO'd moving up in weight and all that. So um, they've absolutely the WBA has sold that belt, that super belt at this weight class to Al Heyman, right? To one of his favorites. So I look at this as Lay Wood being the more proven title holder currently in recent times and over the last year or two at 126. So even though this is for a regular belt, which is bullshit, I got to give Wood credit. He beat Shukan and uh, that's more than anything Leo Santa Cruz has done in, in the division in years. So anyway, that's how he got his belt. Conlon, of course, is rated number one in the WBA, as you guys can see right here. Uh, He's coming off a win, a UD-12 unanimous decision win over TJ Doheny last August. So neither of these guys has fought since last summer, all right? And uh, let's see. It's England versus Northern Ireland. That's going to make for a fun atmosphere. Conlon is younger, taller, longer. Neither of these guys really hit hard. Both men, about 50% knockout ratio. 
throughout their career. So yeah, this one's going the distance. Bet the over, all right? Bet the over unless there's a cut or something. But I I just feel that Conlin, this is for him to win, right? This is this is I'm not gonna say set up for him, but top rank has built him up, got him in a position to win a belt. This is his chance. And I think that he's going to win this fight by decision. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be competitive. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the most action-packed fight, the most aesthetically pleasing fight. But in the end, I think Conlon wins a unanimous decision. And he gets uh, this belt, which again, I hate the WBA regular belts. But when I look at their current super champion in this division, hey, yeah, I really can't fault Wood here in this belt. He won it against an actual top featherweight. So in that respect, I'll respect this title. All right, guys, that is all for the preview. Let's uh, jump to some comments real quick, and then we will get some calls. So if you guys want to get on the phones, do it. Get to it right now. <clears throat> Sam in the chat says uh, Martinez's punches were wide and off balance, no power, got tired early and hands hurt and went the distance. You know, he did have some power on his punches because you could hear the impact. They were thudding. But Chocolatito saw them coming. As you said, they were wide, so they were telegraphed. Gonzalez saw them coming, got those hands up, and caught them. He parried them, caught them took it on the gloves and the forearm, but you could hear the impact and it would move Chocolatito a little bit. So th there were definitely some power on the, those shots, but they were absolutely uh, telegraphed. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Trey Anders says, is that a V-neck hoodie? Is this a Sopranos episode? Now, hey, this is this is my Puma. This is another Puma hoodie. I just, you know, I got it unzipped a little bit. I, I'm, uh, I'm letting my, myself breathe a little bit here. That's all. It's not a Sopranos episode. That's racist and i'm not going to tolerate it i'm not going to tolerate your your bigotry all right uh super chat pledge from sam thank you sam he says that it was more martinez being overrated than chocolatito looking great he couldn't drop or finish the guy that had nothing i don't know about that dude i, I just listen man let's pull let's pull up martinez's resume okay because i i don't I don't think it's fair to say that Chocolatito couldn't finish him or, you know, this was just Martinez being overrated. Again, I'm not calling Martinez a world, you know, like a, a, a super elite fighter, but he's a top guy, dude. I, I mean, let me see. Do I got to pull up? Yeah, here's his resume. Now, he has lost twice, but he's never been stopped. He um, he lost his pro debut. That was by split decision. He was a teenager. I'm not worried about that. Or he wasn't a teenager, but he was very young. All right. But as he's moved up um, in, in opposition, I mean, he's got to win over Selby, Charlie Edwards, Christopher Rosales, Jay Harris. These aren't bad wins, but not great. The McWilliams-Arroyo fight, that was going to be really interesting. I was really interested in seeing that fight because McWilliams-Arroyo is an experienced guy. Both fighters were down in that one. The biggest problem for me with Martinez is his issues making weight. He he just he's had issues with that, and he needs to, I guess, move up to 115 or do something different in between fights. Stop using artificial means to make weight on the scale when he fights in Mexico. But I'm just gonna put that out there. Allegedly, um, I'm just saying <clears throat> he needs to clean up some things in camp, but he's 
he's a solid fighter, dude. Let, let's pull up ring. I want to pull up our ratings at uh, flyweight because I, I think it's worth going into this. Let's see. Uh, flyweight ratings. I'm going to pull this up for you guys and we'll, we'll check it out because I know there's a lot of people that agree with Sam. There's a lot of you guys out there who do. So, I mean, currently, look, man, there's no flyweight champion, but we had Julio Cesar Martinez rated number one at 112 coming into this fight. Now, 112 isn't the deepest division in the world right now. It's not that deep a division because these guys haven't unified belts. You know, um, if we could see Martinez fight Junto Nakatani or Sonny Edwards, Artem Delakian, those are all good fighters. If we see them start to fight each other, well, then we could get some consolidation here. But I'm looking at the top ratings, and Martinez does have a win over Christopher Rosales, our number seven guy. And he was beating McWilliams Arroyo, our number eight guy, before that fight got stopped uh, due to headbutts. So uh, the number one guy at 112 moves up to 115, last-minute replacement, completely different style than Estrada. And Roman Gonzalez handles him, dude. No one's ever stopped this guy. So it doesn't surprise me that he went the distance, especially, Sam, when you consider that he didn't try to make weight. Now, if 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 Martinez actually made 115, if he had sacrificed himself to lose that last two pounds, I think Chocolatito would have stopped him. I think him and his team had a plan. They have played dirty in the past. I'm not trying to beat up on them, but they have. They've played dirty in the past. They played dirty here. They had a strategy. They knew what they were up against. And that's ultimately the reason I personally believe I have no scientific proof or evidence of any of this. It's just my personal belief based on everything I know, both on and off the record, that that's how he finished the fight in his feet. I think if he had melted himself down to 115, he would have absolutely been stopped, dropped and stopped in those late rounds. So take from that what you will. But... That's my opinion. All right, let's jump to the phones. And we've got a caller here from Waterbury, Connecticut. He's been on the line since the beginning of the show. So let's get him on. All right, uh, 203, you were on the show. What's up? Hey, Mike. This is uh, Anthony. Been a long-time listener to the show. Just finally decided to call in. Nice. Good to hear from you, man. What's can going on? Yeah, I can hear you, dog. Thanks for calling in, man. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, I wanted to touch on a few things. That I'm I'm kind of mad that you missed this, but uh, the ESPN, the top-ranked show, like, 1.30 a.m. the fight finished? Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, man. I fell asleep before the fight started. After, like, the fourth time showing the Ukraine and Lomachenko situation. Oh, yeah, they were milking that one. ESPN, look, man, here's the truth, Anthony. Over at ESPN, boxing is just not a top priority. And it's, um, they respect it. But if you look at the deal, the, the numbers involved with top ranks deal with ESPN, it sounds impressive, but compared to what ESPN spends on other sports, it's a drop in the bucket, man. And they they kind of look at it as the red light district of sports. And if the fight starts at one in the morning, so be it. And that's just the deal that they have right now. It's really unfortunate. It's frustrating. It makes me miss being in California where 
those 1 a.m. fights, you know, that's 10 o'clock p.m. over there. It was great. So I, I feel your pain, man. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, regarding, like, Ramirez, I mean, I, was, I mean, it was a solid performance, but I think well, I saw him get touched up a lot, especially counter. I'm not saying, you know, Pajaz is a pretty good fighter. But if someone else is landing those type of counters, like Cepeda, I mean, I know they fought once, and I thought Cepeda won, but... Yeah, you're not alone. Uh, it doesn't... I mean, yeah, so... I don't know if he's the best at 140. I'd probably go with Cepeda or uh, Progre, but yeah. uh, it's hard to say at the moment. Definitely wide open. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And I, By the way, I'd love to see uh, Ramirez and Pedraza do a rematch, but I think Pedraza's lined up for a mandatory against Taylor. And if Taylor decides to stay at 140 for one more fight, dude, Taylor and Zapata, that's going to be fun, man. That's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would love that one. Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So I have some bullet points here because I wanted to be concise with this. Okay, so with Chocolatito, I just, this should be like a week just appreciating that guy because, I mean, he is just amazing. And I'm fanboying like you right now. So yes. <laughs> maybe it's just the recency bias, but that guy is just special. Yeah, dude, I, I, you can't help but kind of fanboy out a little bit. I just, I know it, it sounds crazy and I'm going to get, people are going to be saying all kinds of nasty stuff about me on Twitter, but I can't help it. it, it just, I've seen, I've been to so many fights, dude, amateur, pro, everything in between. And just, I found myself rewatching certain sequences of that fight last week uh, or a couple of days ago between Chocolatito and, and Martinez and just, watching how chocolatito sets things up and it's like i want to try to mimic that and shadow boxing and stuff and i can't <laughs> i just can't do it you know the dude is just amazing he's the most complete offensive machine it really like offense to defense switching doing it in the pocket he's just the most complete fighter at that that i have seen in my whole lifetime yeah like if you're I was like thinking about this and if you're like do a pound for pound list, like maybe the last 15, 20 years and you're have like two metrics, let's say skills and then their entertainment value, like Taco Tito is like up there in that like top five area. Yeah. Like, because there's, you know, there's guys that are probably better than him, but like, you know, Someone, uh, I'm not a Floyd hater, but it's twice as boring. <laughs> yeah, and, and Floyd getting like that, that Floyd was just and that entertainment value. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. I was cutting you off. Go ahead. Oh, I was just yeah. I was, that's all I was going to say about Chester Tito. It's like, you know, his skill and entertainment value is just. The past 20 years, it's hard to like think of many people that are better in those two areas. Yeah, for me, the two fighters that come to mind are Manny Pacquiao. For a few years, Manny Pacquiao was must-see TV. From like the late 2000s up until 2010, 2011, in that, that time frame, 
maybe like mid 2000, 2005 to like 2010, around there. You just could not miss a Pacquiao fight. It didn't matter who he was fighting. Amazing. And then uh, Golovkin had a run there that was a lot of fun. Yeah, Triple G, right? Yeah, yeah. It just, and then we got Golovkin and Chocolatito on the same card several times, dude. That was just amazing. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And then uh, I wanted to touch on the two Canelo fights really quick. And uh, so when they announced the Bevo fight, uh, the first thing I did was rewatch that Joe Smith fight. And I think that was a good fight to watch because you see like the best of Bevo. And also the worst because mm-hmm. Joe Smith caught him with a shot that essentially put him out on his feet. And he had to like hold on to the rope right after. But then he also, after that, he literally dominated the last few rounds and almost knocked Joe Smith out. So you saw the, that if he gets hurt, he's not going to back down. Because Joe Smith is, I mean, Canelo's a good puncher, but I don't think he's anywhere close to as Joe Smith. No way. Joe Smith is one so of just the strongest guys. Very interesting. I would, yeah, that dude, that that's yeah. a great <laughs> fight, and a lot of people are sleeping on it. But I think that's a really, really great fight. And oh, yeah. people are shitting yeah, on think, Canelo right now on Twitter. It's just ridiculous, man. Oh yeah, it's crazy. I think like you know, and, and if you're like doing a, a split, I mean, you have to give Canelo a, a curve against anyone because. Just because he's his activity, I mean, he's so much more active than everyone else. Right. So right off the top, you have to just go 60-40 or 60-45-45. And then, yeah, I'd probably say it's like a 60-40 fight right there, Canelo Vivo. And with the, the Triple G fight, you know, I'm a big Triple G fan. And there's a part of me that was a little part of me that didn't want this fight to happen because, I mean, you know, 40 years old, he, I mean, he's, I don't know if he's that same guy. Maybe he could bring out one more good fight. But there was a, what was interesting is there was a Pauli Malignaggi interview right after the second fight. And he, like, was pretty spot on when he said, you know, after that fight, you know, they're going to make Triple G wait like two or three more years before they fight again. And that's essentially what happened. They they aged him out and you know, I love Canelo, but he waited till Triple G turned like 35, 36 for the first fight. Yeah. And the second fight, you know, uh, I think it was debatable. I thought Triple G won, but I wasn't mad about Canelo getting it. But they definitely waited him out for the third one. So I just don't, I know, like, if Triple G loses, people are going to forget those first two fights. And they're just going to think about, you know, Canelo possibly knocking him out or beating him decisively. Yeah, I, I agree, man. That, that's the business. I mean, Oscar De La Hoya did it. Uh, Floyd Mayweather did it. Sugar Ray Leonard did it. Uh, some more than others. Actually, I need to give Oscar credit. He, he fought a lot of guys, top guys. He took a lot of challenges. So I would move his name. But um, it, it's just what it's just what the, the top guy does. And Canelo's in that position. And boxing history gets written by wins and losses. 10, 20 years from now, when kids that are just now getting into boxing pull up a uh, box wreck and they see that Canelo got a win over 
Golovkin and they see that Golovkin's in the Hall of Fame, they'll say, oh, shit, you know, Canelo has a win over this guy who's in the Hall of Fame. They won't understand the nuance that you just provided, you know. Um, that's just that's just how they how they do it, man. That's the business, brother. But um, yeah. anything, you got anything else, <laughs> yeah. man, before I let you go? Yeah, I was just going to say one last thing. Like, okay. it's, it's crazy because uh, I think Triple G is going to be a Hall of Famer, obviously. But he's had, like, one of the biggest what-ifs for his yep. career. Because just imagine, like, if he if people actually gave him a chance when he was in his prime. And then, you know, what happens if he actually gets that first decision? Like, he'd be in that conversation. Maybe not the greatest middleweight of all time, but he's probably – top two, top three with Monzon and uh, Hazard. So, very interesting. His career kind of underwhelmed a bit, and he's still in the Hall of Fame. Just proves, like, his greatness. But uh, that's all I had to say. Thank you so much for uh, letting me come on. Thanks a lot, brother. I appreciate you calling in, man. Do it again. All right? Sure. Thank all you. Right. Bye-bye. Yeah, with, with Golovkin, you know, the, the what-ifs. Anthony brings up a good point. He was supposed to fight Dimitri Pirog. Imagine if he gets that and he beats Pirog, um, who was the boogeyman, completely being avoided by everybody, everybody. And Golovkin agreed to take him on for very little money when nobody else wanted him. Uh, he should have a win over Felix Sturm and uh, all, all the German fi- fighters out of it because there's so, there are several of them. I'm trying to think of it's like Sebastian Sylvester or – Arthur Abraham was 160. I think he was 160. All those guys that uh, the Germans promotion and everything shut him out. He should have wins over all those guys. I think he easily would have beat Sturm and those guys. Uh, should have got the decision against Canelo. Um, imagine if Miguel Cotto had agreed to fight him. Cotto paid him half a million dollars to not fight. Imagine if Sergio Martinez had fought him. Martinez and his crew wanted none of them. I don't blame Martinez and Cotto at that stage in their career. They're in the twilight of their career. But I'm just saying, if you really, really start adding those names together, I mean, if if Triple G got wins over Sturm, Cotto, Martinez, then got the decision over Canelo in the first fight, uh, the trajectory changes. And that's a very, very different career you're looking at. But that's just the way it goes in boxing sometimes. Uh, there's a lot of what-if guys. It's a very, very difficult sport to navigate and have that career that ages well over the decades. And a lot of that is about who, what, when, where, why when it comes to your matchmaking. That's how Floyd Mayweather was a genius. 20, 30 years from now, to a, to a novice fan, an uneducated fan, or even already to, to a lot of young, ignorant fans, Floyd looks like he's on par with guys like Sugar Ray Leonard, um, Sugar Ray Robinson in their eyes. He's nowhere close to those guys in terms of his in-ring accomplishments when you really start looking at the X's and O's of it, all right? Uh, But he crafted his career almost like a politician. And so, you know, the, the way politicians work with the media to manipulate a story and create new narratives and, and those false narratives end up becoming the, the re- reality uh, that gets taught in the history books. It's very much the same way it works in boxing. So, um, yeah. Sam A with another super chat. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it, brother. He says, uh, Chocolatito is great, but shocked that Martinez was beaten fighter after two rounds. It showed in his body language. 
Lara may be one of the hardest punchers in the sport, but he gets hurt to the body a lot. Yeah, Lara is going to be fun to watch, but he's he's going to be one of those guys that burns out real quick. And the second he has to start moving up in weight, that power advantage is going to go away. Uh, th- that style that he has does not last long. As far as Martinez, I think Martinez knew and his team knew they couldn't box with Chocolatito. And I saw him trying things, dude, but everything he tried. Gonzalez saw coming from a mile away. So the kid was frustrated and young and cocky and brash. And, and he was doing, uh, I guess, in his mind, what he thought he should do, which is, you know, talk some trash and do some outlandish, crazy things and throw some punches from crazy angles, which he does. But he really did it a lot against Chocolatito because, dude, nothing was working. Imagine you're trying the stuff that works against 99% of the guys you've ever fought, and you're in there with this old man, and none of it's working. It would be frustrating. I think the kid was frustrated. That's all. All right, back to the phones we go. And let's go to uh, 415. You are on the show. Yo, Mike, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. What's up? Hey, what's going on, bro? Uh, just starting to listen to you maybe about a month ago, and I'll be looking forward to your show every Monday, dude. On the recap, oh, thank you, man. Preview. So you're doing a good, doing a good job. I'm kind of a degenerate. Like I wanted to talk about Gabe Flores from Stockton. Okay. So, well, who? You know, we, what's like, your name, brother? I, 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 who I, I, who I, are we talking I'm, to? Oh, my, my name is Luis. I'm sorry about that. I'm Luis? Luis from Oakland. Okay. All right. That's so why I get yeah, your name from in. Oakland. Okay, cool. So the guy, like I said, so he's a local guy in the 209, not too far from us. And, you know, I'm trying to support all the local cats, especially, you know, the up-and-comers, you know, to, you know, get get their name across and tell other, you know, boxing fans who are casuals, you know, who, who to look out for. But this guy makes it hard to root for him, man. It's like he's already big for the weight class. Guy's 5'9", looks like he walks around like 160. Young yeah. kid, too. So he really ain't got in his grown man body yet. And he is not technical at all. He's letting these little guys just make him look like an amateur. And, and you know, they, they're putting a lot of money behind him, especially with the whole ward and, and a Prince, um, you know, uh, umbrella behind him or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it, it, he's had some flat, um, like, matches. Like, he's, he, he doesn't adjust well. He doesn't go to the body. He gets hit entirely too much, doesn't use his size. And I, I just want to hear your opinion as far as, like, where do you see him? Because especially after the last fight, he said that he can't make 30 no more. He's going up to 35. And and he, he was getting – he was low-key getting pummeled again, just, you know, coming off his first loss. Yeah, so I do. I kind of want to get your opinion on what you, what you think about him and, and what, 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 should his, what should his mindset be going forward. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It, it almost seems like – it feels like he's regressed a little bit, man. Um, and he was lucky to get that decision. I think, uh, right. Cause what two judges had it six, four, and then one judge had it five, five, that probably was a draw. Maybe he edged it, but uh, he was lucky to get that decision. And, you know, I'm looking here at his record, man. He's got a 31% knockout percentage. So he's got seven knockouts in 21 fights. And like you said, he's big for that division. He moves up to 135. I don't know if he's going to have any more power there. So that lack of power is going to cost him. Um, And then the lack of offensive variety, it just, it feels to me that like he came, when he went pro, he was very active. He's fighting a lot. I'm looking, I just pulled up his resume. He fought what? 
one, two, three, four, five times in 2017. Looks like six times in 2018. So he was really, really busy. And he was just having his way with dudes. And now that they're stepping up the opposition a little bit, um, you just kind of see this lack of development. So I, I guess you know, top rank is the best in the business at building prospects. And I think they're going to pull him back a little bit and just try to develop him and work on some things. But I'm with you, man. T to me, the most concerning part, he does get hit a lot. And that lack of power, because usually a prospect. Not going to the body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it would, I think because he's so tall for that division, I think he's uncomfortable going to the body. That's just what it seems to be to me. He likes to stay back, but, you know, stay long, stay back, cool, but he doesn't have power there. So when he moves up to 35 where the fighters hit harder, they're going to land shots on him. He doesn't go to the body, as you mentioned, to slow a guy down. I don't know, dude. That, that part is concerning to me. He's in trouble. He's in trouble. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree and, uh, with you. Uh, going back to – yeah, yeah. So so talking about with this other guy, the last caller, um, he was saying about Ramirez and how he kind of, you know, didn't like the, his, his – you know, the way he looked Friday. I, I happen to I actually think that the most important thing that I was looking for is confidence because, you know, uh, like you know, obviously, um, watching and covering the sport for many years, you know, a, a, a loss to an undefeated champion, not even just a, a boxer, but undefeated unified champion at that can really demoralize and, and mess up your psyche going forward. And how they kept reiterating that uh, Robert Garcia wanted him to have that killer mentality, that yeah. uh, Maidana and, uh, and and Rios, Brandon Rios, but he's completely a different fighter than they are. They were, didn't have a pedigree as far as the Olympics that he did. They weren't unified champions. Um, secondary belt holders, if I'm not mistaken, and he, he he like I think he looked good. I didn't get Pedraza. We can't knock Pedraza. Pedraza is the sniper name that he has. I think fits him well because the guy with although he doesn't have power, he can he, them them pop shots they, they add up towards the end. If you notice any of his other tank opponents, even with the Tank Davis with his first loss, he was touching Tank up. Tank Tank at one point was saying how he thought that. They set him up for failure when he to take that fight at the time that he took it. Ended up working out for him longevity wise, but like he's not no no slump. And I still see him as a front runner in the one forty. One forty to me, honestly, like cutting the crap to the side. I think that's going to be the best uh, weight class once Taylor vacates the belt officially because there's some dogs at forty already, and then thirty five kids that. Obviously can't do nothing because the belt belt is all tied up. We're gonna have to eventually move up. The Devin Haney's, the Teofimos, mm -hmm. the Ryan Garcias. These guys are already big. You know they're big for that weight class. They're young. They're getting older. Clearly, you know they can't. But they can't make the weight. Haney, y'all know how the hell Haney makes it because Haney is a big dude. Big, big and kid, he can't yeah. do nothing. Obviously, in thirty five, he got to give his belt up because his belt is basically nothing. He's paying taxes for nothing. He, you know, <laughs> he, he's pissed. So these guys at forty, like. I see Ramirez to pay the the top two dogs and pro grade, he can't even make the weight. Like let's be honest, his last two fights when he fought at uh what was it, the fight club thing that that, that was bogus who had to they had to pay Tiafimo and uh Cambosov. What was the name of him? I'm sorry. Well you talking about where he just uh Remember fought in Atlanta? No, he, uh, uh yeah, I think but I'm saying what was the umbrella? What was the promotion that put on that fight? Trill trill trill? Was it Triller? Triller, yeah. Triller. Yeah. 
Triller. Yeah, when he had a spot on Triller on that pay per view, when he was like the Coleman, and then when he fought at a catchweight. This fight, he's fighting this at a catchweight. The, the, the dude can't make 40 no more, I don't think, at least. And if he do, he's going to be a shell of himself. So, I mean, although I, I still count him as a top five guy, but I don't really see him stopping or competing against Ramirez and uh, Zepeda. They, them boys got gas tanks. Mm. And uh, that, and like I said, these 35-pounders coming up to, 30, uh, to 40 is going to be real, real intriguing, man, because they're going to you know, have more life in them because they don't got to suck down and boil down to, to make the 35 no more. So what's your opinion about the 140 class now that the belt is going to be vacated? I, I'm with you, man. I love 140. And, you know, with Tia Fimo coming up, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, um, that's going to be so much fun as long as these guys all fight each other because all those belts are going to be vacant. And, you know, Tia Fimo, because he's with top rank, he's probably going to be fighting for that vacant WBO as soon as he moves up to 140 because the WBO is where Bob's organization. Uh, Devin Haney's going to be fighting probably for the BC or, you know, him or him or Garcia will be. So they're all going to be fighting for the belts. I just hope that these guys fight each other. And with Zapata Ramirez in the mix, I think pro grade can make 140 if he gets more active. He's just been so inactive, dude. Um, if these guys all fight each other, man, that could be the best division in boxing. We just got to see him fight each other. And by the way, um, for your last comments about uh, Flores, Nacho here in the chat brought up a good point right. that com I completely forgot about. You know, his dad's his trainer, and sometimes that works, but right. a lot of times it doesn't. And clearly something ain't working. I think that uh, while while he's young, he's only 21, they, they should bring somebody else into that team, man, and get him away just to a, a new camp. I think that could help help him. <clears throat> Yeah, that, that's that. That's that. Uh, Danny Garcia, that. Uh, yeah. That Tiafimo Senior, you know, it's, it's. It's. I mean, it's sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. Like I agree. Like Haney did good by bringing in uh, Ben from you know from the UK, uh, which is a good young trainer to I guess you could say like oversee. Even though uh, Big Bill is still the head trainer. Yeah. But they should take a page out of uh, Haney's book and do something like that, incorporate it. But the question is, are they? Because I'm if I'm mistaken, senior is uh, a junior um, manager, so he has a lot to do with that. Yeah. And um, uh, the uh, uh, Flores, I'm not too sure what his dad is besides his trainer, but I'm pretty sure he's getting a cut of something else. Like sometimes these guys' egos is 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 more than is more benefit more beneficial for them than the, than the actual fighter, which is sad. But I mean, I see that do? a lot, man. I see that a lot with these fathers. There's one particular prospect that uh, have fought here in Atlanta a couple times. I will not mention them by name here. The father is a nightmare. And the, the father wanted armed security around to protect him because he thinks he has so many people wanting autographs and shit from him. He, he came to the venue, three people walked up to him. Uh, these, some of these dudes are just delusional and they're ruining it for their kids. Right. So uh, this one prospect I know it's 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 going to be a catastrophe very soon so yeah it's something i see more and more and more man absolutely well yeah mike i'm gonna let somebody else get on because i know they probably want to want to get on and talk to you like i did so i appreciate your time and uh you got a, a new faithful listener here thanks a lot brother i appreciate it man calling again all right most all right there he goes everybody luis uh good stuff and uh let's jump right to nacho we got nacho on the line here uh, Nacho, what's up, man? 
Hey, what's going on, Mike? <clears throat> Nothing much. Um, yeah, just real quick, I'm just going to talk about uh, Flores because he brought it up. At this point, Mike, I don't know what they do with that kid. That kid <clears throat> obviously has no power. Um, moving up to 35 isn't going to help him. And to me, the biggest indictment on him is that, <clears throat> like the last caller was saying, they've given him these guys that he should have beaten easily if he was a prospect, and he's going life and death with these dudes. Yeah. Um, that's just a bad sign. Um, I think really the only thing they can do is that top rank has to sit down with him and his dad and just be honest with them and tell them, look, I think at this point we need to bring in a real pro trainer that knows what the hell he's doing and can teach this kid a few things because I think the dad has gone as far as he can go. And I just don't think Flores is getting any better at this point. If anything, he's getting worse. So <clears throat> I genuinely hope they do that. If they think this kid um, can be, you know, uh, his uh, boxing career can be saved. But if they don't, yeah, he's going to flame out sooner rather than later if they keep going this route. Um, and then as far as uh, the main event on that card, Mike, <clears throat> I uh, I thought that it was an entertaining fight um, for the most part. There was some spots where... It kind of dragged, you know, guys, both guys didn't really throw. Um, at times, they just kind of stood there posing and looking at each other. But um, I honestly think the biggest thing was with Ramirez. It was kind of like um, Luis was saying right now about, I think his confidence was a little shot. Mm -hmm. And I think he just kind of needed to get back in there and kind of get the rounds in and kind of start to feel like, you know, he could do, um, you know, what he was doing before he lost to Taylor. And as the fight progressed, you could see that he started to take over that fight. Granted, I think Pedraza could have <clears throat> stepped up and, you know, gone after him a little more, but he didn't. And that's kind of the indictment on Pedraza. I think that's why he has as many losses as he does, because he tends to kind of coast in fights when he should be trying to be more aggressive. And I think that's kind of cost him. But, I mean, <clears throat> overall, Ramirez, you know, did what he had to do. He got back out there. He got the win. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing another fight against, like, you know, Zepeda or, hell, even I think uh, Barbosa wouldn't be a bad yeah, idea. That's um, a good fight. I think I think that would be a good fight, too, yeah. Um, just get him back out there as soon as they can and, you know, just get him out there and get him <clears throat> acclimated to winning again because I think the biggest step he needed to do was just to hear his name uh, as the winner, and he did that, and I just think they got to keep it going. Um, and then as far as the, uh, the fight on Saturday, the card, um, like you said, Mike, I like Mauricio Lara. He's a, <clears throat> he's definitely an entertaining dude to watch. Um, the only thing with him though, is just how, how, uh, long can he stay at 26? Cause I think at 26, he, he's in a perfect weight division where, you know, he could be a legitimate threat for a while, but I think eventually once he starts to move up, <clears throat> you'll see that power kind of, you know, dissipate. And I just don't see him being like an elite guy at 30 or even 35, but he could be a guy you could definitely throw in there and he would definitely test some people right. in those weight classes. But right now at 26, he definitely should get a shot at somebody with a belt. I'd like to see him take on the winner of uh, Wood or Conlon this weekend or even get the, the third fight against Warrington. I can't believe Warrington's getting a title shot before he is that's ridiculous so i hope if somehow 
uh, either Martinez or Warrington, whoever ends up winning that fight, I hope they give Lara a shot at trying to win that fight because I think he, he deserves a title fight more than anybody right now that hasn't gotten one yet. <clears throat> and then with uh, Choco, I mean, Mike, I kind of called it on, on uh, someone else's podcast. I just felt like as good as Martinez was at 112, I just didn't see him being able to step up with no warm-up fights at 115 and kind of be able to bring it to uh, <clears throat> to Choco. I just felt like his style was tailor-made for for uh, Gonzalez, and he proved me right. It, it was just those wild swinging shots, the, the kind of awkward, um, unorthodox punches. I think he figured out what he was doing rather quickly, and then he was just able to dissect him. And the way he dissected Martinez was just unbelievable. And it's great that he, you know, he still had the uh, the performance in, in his back pocket the way he did. But I genuinely hope, like uh, they were saying, he gets a shot at uh, Estrada or, you know, Rungvisai or whoever it is at 15 sooner rather than later. I don't want him to wait another year before he fights. I'd like to see him back out there within the next, like, four to six months, hopefully, if everything works out. Um, the one thing I definitely don't want to see, Mike, is I don't want to see him go to 18. I just think that's asking too much of him at this point. I think uh, Donaire and Inoue are just too big for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I could see him being competitive, but I, I just can't see him winning those fights. I, I just can't. I think they're asking you're asking too much of him. I think 15 is about as high as he's going to go, and Hopefully he cleans out the division and then walks away into the sunset because he's he's that you know he's that damn good that I'd like to just see him ride you know walk away on a high note instead of getting beat at 118 when he should have never been there in the first place. Um, all right, Mike, that's my call. All right, good stuff, Nacho. You're right about the right, 118 right. thing, yeah. man. Yeah, Nacho has uh, convinced yeah. me 118 is. I heard Chocolate Tito talk about that. I'm just, who are the title holders at 118 right now? Let's let's look this up real quick, guys, before we get this next call. Because uh, I just want to see, you know, is there like a, a title pluck? So, okay, the current champions at 118, John Rael Casimero as the BO, and Nonito Donaire has the BC, and then Inoue has the IBF and WBA. Yeah, I wouldn't. He could probably beat John Real Casamero, honestly, for that WBO belt, but I really don't want to see Chocolatito against Inouye or Donaire. I just don't want to see that. And why go to 118 if you're not going to fight for a belt? I just think there are so many great fights for him at 115 that still exist. Guys, remember, uh, Kazuto Ioka is still at 115. Uh, so, and he hasn't fought him yet. Um, People are talking about Bam Rodriguez. Um, that would be really, really interesting, but I don't know if I want to see that yet. Rodriguez is young, man. Let him fight some of the other young guys. But, um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, I'd like to see um, maybe maybe Oka. Maybe, I mean, that'd be a fun fight, man. All right, let's grab another call real quick. Let's jump back to the phone lines. I think we got Rich on the line. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, Mike? How are you? Good, brother. How are you? Hey, man. I'm good, man. Uh, sounds like we have a Chocolatito Appreciation Day today, man. It, it's, Pretty much, uh, yeah. It's uh, 
Yeah, and the, the guy deserves it. He's a, what can I say, he's a special fighter, uh, a true legend in the sport, uh, first first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. And he's been that, he's had that status for quite a while anyways. But, um, but no, I just, uh, just kind of the all appreciation of uh, Chocolatito and what he's been doing. Uh, this, this second run he's been having has been uh, incredible. I think I caught a little bit of, your, of the show earlier. I think you said that you can make a case that he's six and old yeah. um, since his uh, loss to Long B side. And yeah, I agree with that, except the Strata fight was really um, close fight, could have gone, you know, like either way, but still you can make a case that he's been six and old. Um, I just thought he put up a hell of a performance over the weekend. And um, I think I saw someone mention that maybe that Martinez was overrated. I disagree with that. I don't think he's overrated. I think kind of like how you said it, not like a league fighter, but definitely a top fighter at 112 pounds. And I think um, if Chocolatito didn't knock him out, I think Martinez is um, pretty strong guy, and I think the guy just has a good chin. I think yeah. that's really the bottom line. And, and in my opinion, uh, I think as far as weight, I think Chocolatito is kind of at his max weight at 115 anyways because a lot of his knockouts in his career were really at the smaller weight class. I mean, right. Like, you know, your flyweight, strawweight division, or minimum weight, whatever you want to call it. Most of his knockouts were in those weight class. Started, you know, started his championship reign and everything. So, um, and now that he's fighting, you know, the elite fighter at 115, which I think is like his max weight that, that's why these fights are going the distance. So, um, I, I do give credit to, you know, Martinez uh, taking the fight, you know, on the you know, last minute you know, notice. But, um, but yeah, I just thought that the, I think like the only guy said, Nacho said that the guy's style was made to order for, uh, for Gonzalez, you know, right in front of him, you know, it's pretty, pretty wild, his punches and Chocotito has like the best, he has a really good defense too. He just, he, he just, uh, Really good technique, good combination puncher. You know, a little bit like um, fun to watch, kind of like almost like Juan Manuel Marquez, another favorite combination puncher that I enjoyed watching. So now, as far as the as future, I, I really just want to see him fight Estrada, the, the third fight. That, Me too. that just needs to happen. Me um, too. I I I know I've, I know there's a lot of hype on uh, Bam Rodriguez and all that, but uh, I I think it's in my opinion. The kid's good, but I think it's I think Chocolatito would be too much for him as well. I really think that it has to be Estrada, you know, because uh, unfinished business. And um, from I would say that fight um, still could, could go either way, just based on Gonzalez's uh, performance, the way he looks. Just, I think it, it could still go either way. Hopefully, they make that fight happen. Um, It'd be nice if Gonzalez were to get a little like uh, revenge on Rung side, but it could be a, a matter where Rung side might just have his number too. I don't know yeah. how you feel about that. But. He could be, he could be like you think of Roy Jones and Antonio Tarver. Um, you know, you think of guys like that. Like obviously, Roy Jones, much much better fighter, and you know, maybe the best just pure yeah. athlete I've ever seen in a boxing ring in my lifetime. But Tarver had his number, dude, and stopped him, you right. know. And even in their first fight, he gave him a hell. So sometimes you just someone has your number, exactly. man. And yeah, maybe Rungvi side just has Chocolatito's number. Yeah, 
I mean, uh, there we could maybe maybe put, uh, I don't know, maybe Ben Maria against Rangista. I don't know. But these, all these guys can mix it up, you know? Of course. Or, you know, and, and fight each other. Or, you know, Robert Martinez, he decides to stay at 115. He could fight Rangistai or, you know, Rodriguez. Or, like you say, Ayoka in, in that weight class as well. So there's a lot of yeah. um, fights to be made. But uh, definitely, uh, this is like definitely a salute to Chocolatito. He's a special fighter. Um, I know I, meant, I mentioned sometimes earlier tweet at some point that you know only the special fighters the legends they can come back from knockouts they really can so it's not it's not uh, the norm but the the exception the rare occasions that the legends could do it you know Pacquiao did it when he got knocked out by Marquez Roberto Duran had a good run after he got knocked out by Tommy Hearns you know what I mean the legend guys they can do it so um, but yeah that's all I wanted to to say I had to make the call quick so I just want to get my Put on, uh, all right, man. Yeah, you're, you're fanboying out yeah. with the rest yeah. of us oh, this week, Rich. Yeah. Cool, man. I am, man. I am, man. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Have a good night, okay. brother. All right, Mike. Peace. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you. Okay, bye. All right, guys. That's it. That's going to be a wrap for this one. Episode 304 is in the books. Hope you guys appreciate it. Had a good time. And, um, you know, hey, the next couple of weeks, a little slow, but April is going to be stacked, yo. Every episode is going to be crazy in April. It's going to be nuts. So uh, I can't wait for that, man. I hope you guys have a great week. I'm not sure if we're going to do a show Friday. If uh, some news breaks or something, maybe we'll do a show Friday. But uh, there's just not a whole lot going on right now this week. So we'll see. All right, 50-50. Either way, we'll be, definitely be back here next Monday for episode 305 of TNC. All right? You guys have a good one. I'll see you at the fights.